Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Look at my butt. Now look at my front butt.
Chan and Chiba. Yeah, Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan. Yeah, it's there's there's a whole other genre beyond those. You know, and there's no doubt we know where all this stuff originated from because if a fistful of dollars, you know, hadn't have taken off like it did, you know, I wouldn't even be writing books on the subject probably. You know, either that or I'd be writing yeah. on, you know, like I was planning on doing next year is writing a book on B-Westerns of the 60s and 70s, and that's pretty much where, at least initially, like a lot of the early spaghettis fit was, I mean, they were B-Western um, copies. Yeah, wouldn't so, there, yeah. as those people would call them, the film snobs, uh, proto-spaghetti westerns, weren't they going on for like four to five years before... A fistful of dollars? They squeaked around. They, they, they were about sixty, fifty-nine. There was one. Uh, there was one filmed in Almera, I, I believe, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Um, it was a. I cannot remember. It wasn't the terrible sheriff, but it was something along those lines. And then you know, sixty-one. You know, there was some sixty-two, a little bit more, sixty-three. You know, and then 64. But there was, but they were, yeah. I mean, even somebody like uh, Robert Huzon, who did uh, A Cemetery Without Crosses, did uh, an early one, uh, Taste of Violence, I believe it's called, which had a lot of the kind of aspects that were to come. The Spaghetti Westerns, uh, 62, or 63, was a man called, wasn't a man called Gringo. I think it was Gunfight at Red Sands. And so they were coming, yes. You know, so, but, yeah, 64 is when, of, of course, you know, the the Leone films, late 64, Corbucci with Minnesota Clay. But it was it was there. It was slowly, Sorry, slowly, slowly beep. coming. Yeah. Hello? Yeah, okay, got Yeah, it. I got beeped on back. But, yeah, I mean, it really was a slow process. The one it, it you was, really and they could... Were, yeah, it was slow. To me, the one you could say is the major transition film would probably be Minnesota Clay. I, you know, I a lot of people I agree with you, and, and you know, honestly, Minnesota Clay is uh, is not very far behind a fistful of dollars. Quite yeah. honestly, I mean, to me, it's the quality is damn close. The Seven Gun from Texas, also from '64, which was filmed. Even a few years before that, it was kind of an early nihilistic western, you, you know, and it was uh, Marchant, I think, Raphael, not Raphael, uh, Joaquin, I believe, and it was another one. So, you know, yeah, Leone, you know, with the help of um, of Yojimbo, um, uh, uh, I mean, of course, you know, helped define the, the genre. Yeah. And everybody, of course, you know, it was a copycat. You know, the Italians were doing whatever they could to, to make money, you know. So, and, and you know, that it started out, you know, a lot of, I hear a lot of bull crap. I've read a lot about, you know, the early days of the genre, how everybody would say, well, you know, we made these great films, and it eventually we made, you know, everybody started, they decided inferior product, inferior directors, actors. That's partially true, but there's a lot of awful early ones. So, you know, it started oh, yeah. out awful. There is a lot of awful early Italian westerns, 
And, yeah, there was a lot of awful Italian westerns as the genre rolled on. But, you know, it's kind of, it, it just, you know, it glutted itself, it ran itself, and it was time. Yeah. It's just like martial arts films. The the mm-hmm. hardest question I ever seen someone ask me, and asked it, asked some, asked on a message board. It was asked questions like, "Oh, what was the earliest made martial arts film ever?" Uh, right, right. Yeah, I think the earliest documented one is the story of Wong Fei Hung, and that's about 1910, 1915. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know, and it's. You know, you could ask ten people that question, you know, and you'd get ten different answers. So you just, you, you know, how that goes. And then it's all about particulars of what you, you know, what you decide, you know, is is your criteria of what fits, you know, what fits here, how it fits here. You know, if it fits into your what you decide is a martial arts genre or a spaghetti western genre, it's all about, you know, you, you know, I set up different, like when I set up, and you know, Tom Betts, who's probably the, the spaghetti western expert, you know, he knows more about spaghetti westerns than anybody you'll ever meet in your life. You know, he pretty much just tells you, you know, you do what's right for you, which is, 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 is you know, or not right for you, it's whatever you set up your parameters. You know, if you don't want to include this or that because of a particular reason, like the sauerkraut westerns, you know, that's up to you. I mean, but you have to yeah. set your particulars up, and that's what I'm saying. So you can, you know, what really constitutes this or what really constitutes that is, you know, it would be an endless battle, let's face it. Yeah, it's like I call them a blind man and the elephant situation. Mm-hmm. You're going to have five different people look at everything from five different directions or 500 people look at five different directions, and you're going to get 500 different answers, and none of them will be wrong. <laughs> Right, 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 right. Yeah, and you know, it's a lot of people point. You know, at least in the, in the spaghetti westerns, they point to fifty, fifty, fifty-four was when they were made. Fifty-five and fifty, I mean, fifty-five and fifty-six was the Coyote films. Um, I can't. They were both. One of them was Coyote, El Coyote, and the other one was Coyote. I can't remember what it is right now, but. They were also directed by Marchant and uh, Jess Franco contributed to the screenplays, and they're really early. They're like I said, I've had um, people say that the, there was a uh, a, um, a black and white film made in 19. Well, of course they were all, but 53, which called was called the Cowboy Story, and then there's also some earlier ones. So it's just where you know you draw the line in the sand at, you know I've what. Seen a lot of- Eddie Western fans who try to go before, uh, for, for a fistful of dollars, and they're horrified that they're odors. Right. <laughs> you <know>? Correct. Correct. <laughs> you know, like, yes. What's this? This is not yes. Eddie Western. Yeah. You know, I watched uh, one last night, and I cannot remember. It's um, it, it was a um. It, it was 65, and it was still an old-timer. You know, it was it was an old-timer. You know, it was a Hollywood yeah. B-clone. And you're right, there is a lot of clunky, heavy films from them that, you know, from before that. They were just trying to copy uh, B-Western. And a lot of them weren't even doing it effectively. Because if you know, if you remember watching, like, the B-Westerns of um, Audie Murphy, 
or people, they were energetic films, bam, 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 you know, you yeah, had a certain thing, thing happened this, uh, blam, blam, you know. Singing cowboys and all that. Right. But you had, you know, they had, you had some uh, uh, a certain criteria, and they then they moved quick. I mean, so, yeah, it's, it, it is. And, and I believe me, I've explored from top to bottom, you know, and as I get older, I tend to enjoy some of the early films better than I did when I was younger, you know, and I was talking to a guy from a a DVD label years ago about spaghetti westerns, and they were asking, you know, well, we're going to really, what what should we, you know, and I told them, you know, anything after 66 or 67, you know, because I was being, to me at that time, because that's when kind of all the hell was breaking loose, and, you know, after Django, kind of, ever, the, the, you know, and Django kills and stuff like that, everything opened and got a little wilder, you know. So, you know, but to me now, it's I enjoy all that now that I'm older, you know. Yeah. Well, tonight's film we're doing is one of the... This is pretty much... This is Laura Kalung's follow-up to Inner... Well, Inner, yeah. Uh, enter the thirty the thirty six chamber of Shaolin. Mm-hmm. He wanted to make a darker, grimmer film. And it is that. It is that. Yeah, but to make this, he had to make a deal with the devil, as they say, and that's where we got the very highly comedic return to the thirty six chamber. And as mm-hmm. we'll get into, the star of this movie wasn't supposed to be the star. Right. And what we're watching is one of the classics that sadly is on a bare bones DVD over here. It's a great print, everything, but this movie really hasn't got the justice it deserves. Just like yeah. most of uh, the later yeah, films yeah, yeah. by Shaw that Dragon Dynasty put out. Yeah, and it was I'm kind of. The... Go ahead. Okay, where are we at? I'm at the girl, the silhouette on Celeste. Yeah, I'm at the girl, the silhouette. Let's get it started, then you can say what you're going to say. Okay, we're starting. No, go ahead. You do your thing. Five, four, three, two, one. Oh. Okay. And you were saying it was kind of? Well, this was, you you know, Shaw, this was what, 84? Yeah. This was 84, so. You know, honestly, Shaw's production, they had another healthy year in 1985, and then after that, all bets were off. They moved to the more to the television side, and they would produce an occasional film here and there. But, you know, this was, you know, these were kind of getting near the end. I mean, they, have done, they had done everything possible, I think, within the martial arts field. And the fact that they were still, you know, putting out something like this, at that late time is, is you know, indicative, indicative of what, you know, they kind of wanted to stay within yeah. that certain, um, you know, period piece, you know, cheap to make to a point, you know, and all filmed with, contained within Clearwater Bay where their studio was. Yeah. And I wouldn't call this a period piece. I mean, just look at the opening scene. This is filmed like a stage-bound opera. Right, the yeah, yeah, and, and it look. And that kind of throws back to their early days of their films, but I'm saying once the film moves into, like here, once we kind of move out of that, but 
you know, it's um, it kind of points back to their early days with their early costume dramas and period pieces and. Yeah, and really, it this most of their films, even their costume dramas, weren't weren't as stage bound looking as this one does. Right, right. And another weird thing is this was one of the few Shaw Brothers. They got shipped over here. They didn't change the title. Uh, right. I mean, usually, even if they had great titles like Enter the Salin Chamber, Master Killer, uh, uh, King Boxer, Five Fingers of Death, this one's like Eight Diagram Pole Fighter. Whoa, that's a good enough title as is. Now, did it, but it did, did it originally come out as, I think it came out as over here as something different, maybe even like um, no, as far the invisible. As I, know, I looked up; it was always eight diagram pole fighter. Okay, I, I thought maybe there was maybe I'm getting them confused with, but I thought it had came here as the invisible pole fighter or something along those lines. There is another one called the Spol- the pole fighters, but right, yeah, that was spear fighters over here. And here we have there. There's Gordon Liu in a rare haired appearance. (laughs) (laughs) And standing next to him is the guy who was supposed to be the star of the film, Alexander Fusheng, or just Fusheng. Originally, this was, he wanted it to be another one of the Venoms films, but by then the Venoms had gotten tired of their crap and, uh, Quite a few of them was making it on their own without Shaw Brothers. Right. I mean, I just love how operatic everybody moves in this. This is, They don't move like you would see in a normal martial arts or weapons combat film. Yeah. Yeah, well, it had uh, it had gotten to the point where it was, you know, the Shawls should have been experts. Well, I mean, well, they were, <laughs> but if anybody should have been experts by that time, it was definitely the Shaw brothers. Yeah, I mean, well, it's you know, Lau Carlung. He was the one of the la- He was one of the rare ones that Shaw pretty much gave him free reign. Mhm. <laughs> yeah, rightly so. I mean, he produced him, you know, an incredible amount of hits, made him a lot of money. Made him a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. But you know they would only. Oh, this sorry, is I like I said in '84. You know they might have they they if I if my memory serves me correctly, you know they may have done. You know maybe 20, 25 more films in '85. I might be a little off there, but um, you know, but they still were making. In 85, they were still making films like, you know, the, the Shaolin Disciples and the Hong Kong Godfather, martial arts of Shaolin. So they were still yeah. doing these. And then they also did the Disciplines of the 36th Chamber in um, 1985. So they were still producing these films in 85. And in 80, you know, after that, it was over. But... Here's the weird thing. The Dragon Dynasty-style Shaw Brothers by 84-85 were not doing that good. Even this one didn't do as good at the box office as they wanted to. 
Right, yeah. It, it just had played its time. I mean, if, if you got to figure, I mean. Image was putting out the shawls, the crazy mm-hmm. shit like Black Magic, Boxer's Omen, uh, Killer Snakes, all the really insane shit, that was being ate up at the box office. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it had just, you know, by this time, these martial arts epics had just, they had run their course by 80, you know. It's just like we were talking about earlier about spaghetti westerns. Is that Ty Long there? I can't I don't have my class. So. No. Yeah, it looked like him, didn't it? So it was kind of a passing of the old guard, too. I mean, Ty Long eventually, you know, left Shaw after Shaw, and he had a pretty decent career afterwards, didn't he? Wasn't he in John Woo's A Better Tomorrow and... A bunch of other now films. Those career Carl, continued on. Uh, Big Trouble in yeah, Little China. Yeah, he was in a lot. Yeah, he did some American films. Mm, yeah, but, he was a great actor. But, yeah, but the problem is, is that Lao Kwan Lung wanted to make one of the darkest, most grim <laughs> martial arts movie ever made, and... He did a damn good job of it. Yeah, it, it is. And, he, and it also, you know, you have to figure, you know, the the what was hanging over it, which, you know, we'll go into here eventually, but, yeah. you know, what was hanging over the whole production towards the end. Yeah. By this time, Alexander Fouché, even though uh, Gordon Liu was... Uh, a big star, Alexander Fusheng was the guy they were putting all their eggs in the basket in because they had him sold as their Bruce Lee. Even their Correct, Bruce yes. Lee films like the Chinatown Kid, Duel of the Dragons. Yeah, they, they had did. him play the Bruce Lee role. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and he, I think he was born in '54, I believe. And he yeah. was a major star. I mean, uh, a, a huge star. And, um, you know, he worked himself up through the system, you know, yeah. slowly but surely. You know, he started out doing some, um, you know, extra work and then eventually moved up into um, in, into lead roles. I think Police Story, Police Force was his for Chai Sheng was his first yeah. lead. And then I know he did... Some of the shy, the, the, I know he did five Shaolin masters, Shaolin masters, Shaolin temple, yeah. and I remember him in the Brave Archer films. That's where I remember yeah. him from, when I was first introduced to him. Yeah. So, and I think him I and Shea Ching moved worked together, like, uh, like twenty five films together. Uh, so they. The down kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. And and, and you know he. Um, and he did all of his stunts. It's like we were talking about before we went on air. You know, he did all of his own martial arts scenes and stunts, and eventually he did had a, you know numerous accidents where eventually by this film, you know, he might have been stunting, you know, somebody stunning for him because he had lost, you know, some of his effectiveness just yeah. because he had been injured so many times. And another thing that's funny is this kind of grim, depressing fight where most of the heroes get killed Usually, this was how Shaw Brothers would end the movie. <laughs> Correct. That's a good, excellent started. point. Excellent point. Yeah. 
But, yeah, this is right when Golden Harvest had really took over the market. And I think Jackie Chan said it the best. He said the problem was is after Bruce Lee died, they wasted five or six years looking for the next Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. When and they he, should yeah, have been and, looking and like, for what? Go ahead. And like we were saying at another show, it was even Jackie Chan was groomed to be that. You know, they yeah. fixed his teeth. They did this with him. They did that with him. You know, and and you know, and he just was never going to be that type of person. You know, he he was a comedic actor. Yeah. And this movie was a hard R when it hit over here, which is another one that kind of surprised a lot. True. Of yeah. But. Absolutely. Yeah, Jackie Chan said instead of looking for uh, the next Bruce Lee, they should have been looking for the the first, uh, he said, the first Gordon Liu, the first Jackie Chan, the first Tai Loon. Yeah, yeah, well, I think, well, we like, you know, we have talked about Bruce Lee in other shows, and, and I think a lot of it, I mean, but he was so iconic and huge that, you know, they were just looking for that person that could kind of step in, and do that, and 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 let's face it, you know that was a once in a lifetime type of person. You you would never find another yeah, you one can't like that. What did they say? You no. can't have license strike twice in a bottle. And that's and that's and that's and that's why he and that's probably to a point. What he's saying is, you know, you're never going to find that, you know, caliber. I mean, he had it all: charisma, you know, obviously the fighting abilities. You know, and he could take over a movie. You know, I mean, he had that screen presence about him. And I, you know, what always gets me is I always kind of wondered where he would have went because he was, you know, where he could have took that is what I'm saying. Director. You know, he, you know, he could have been huge. You know, yeah. as big as anybody in the '70s and '80s, I think. But oh yeah, he was moving we, in director because he did. Uh, before he died, he directed part of uh, Game of Death, uh, mm-hmm. Return of the Dragon, and his next project, which no one has denied, uh, was he was going to do uh, direct a movie with Sonny Chiba starring it. That would be awesome. That would have been the two kind of, you know, that that would have been, the screen would have just caught on fire with them two. Yeah. But yeah. Sonny Chiba and Gordon Liu were lucky in this era because they were able to carve out their own niches. Yeah, yeah, true. It it took Sonny Chiba a lot more years, you know, because obviously because he started in, what, probably the late 50s as opposed to, but once Sonny Chiba got, you know, once he kind of got into toy and you know obviously the street fighters but even before that he had yeah. a persona over there but the, the street fighters kind of or you know the, the series kind of elevate him into another stratosphere mm-hmm. yeah but this is another thing that you'd rarely seen uh look at him he's gone totally batshit fully insane And that was really supposed to be the plot motivation for the movie. Uh, Gordon Liu's character goes off to the Shaolin Temple and becomes holy, and him gets his uh, sanity.
humanity back and becomes the hero at the end of it. Right, right. And that's uh, the, the woman he's talking, I guess that would be his mother there, is Lily that's Lai. His mother. Yeah, Lily Lai, who was in a, a ton of. Uh, she was in, I know, the first. Maybe she was in both of the ba- uh, Black Magic films. I, I, I believe yeah. she was. She was in a lot of the films. I know she was in in the. Um, shit, now I can't remember what the name of it is. The. Um, the smog monster type thing, you know which one? <laughs> the oily maniac. Yeah. She was in that one, and she was in a bunch of them. And she did a lot of the kind of guest starring cameo yeah. stuff, you know, the, where they would do like Tai Long and people like that. David Shang, they would kind of guest star him here and there. But yeah, this is the only role I've seen of Alexander Fuxing where he actually gets to act. Mm-hmm. Where he isn't trying to be Bruce Lee light. Right, right. And I can see why they chose him. I mean, look how great he is at this scene. Yeah. Can you imagine him later if he would uh if he had a longer career appearing as like as uh a killer in one of the true crime movies of the early nineties. Yeah, and, and you know what? He died early too. What he? What was he like? Twenty eight, I believe. Yeah. And, and we might as well, well tell we'll him, everybody once, now. Uh, but he was, he was at a at a party, I think at Clearwater Bay Studios, and he was returning with his bro. His brother was driving, and I guess he owned maybe a, a Porsche or a Fiat, and his brother wrecked. And he died, Fusheng. Yeah. So. And they had to change the whole second half of the movie. They didn't even bother to write. As you'll see, they don't even bother to write his character out. He just vanishes. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Which obviously by then, I'm sure, uh, you know, they were probably, if obviously, if, if you know, that, Everything was looming on the horizon for the Shaw brothers, so I'm sure they, at that time, probably couldn't. They could oh. afford to do it, you know, to rewrite it or to scrap the film, but oh, what was I, that? I don't think I that would They had like 45, 50, 45 minutes of this movie done. Right, you know? right, which, you know, it still turns out. And, it, and you know, it. and at the ending, it's heartbreaking to a point because, you know, once it's over, you kind of realize that's it. You know what I'm saying? He was alive on this and, you know, and... and just so much, you know, a little bit time later he would, you know, perish. So it's, yeah, it's pretty heartbreaking, honestly. Yeah. Like I said, and, this and you know what thought has never is, really been the, easy to watch, and that's really one of the big reasons why. Mm-hmm. It's a great epic movie, but... If there's any movie that I would call the start of what they call the tragic bloodshed trend, it would be this one. Mm-hmm. Oh, and there's the famous theme that uh, Tarantino uses in uh, Kill Bill a lot. Well, when they uh, had the final fight with David Carradine. And that too. 
And can you guess another character change they did to this movie just by the name of the guy? <laughs> Pan May? <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's too close for comfort. And the guy's even rubbing the beard. That's Pie May, damn it. <laughs> Gordon Liu needs to get that hair shaved. Well, you know what? You know one thing about Gordon Liu. You know he's going somewhere where he can get that hair shaved off, though. <laughs> yeah. He was you know, If you notice, before Gordon Liu showed up, there never was a pro-Shaolin movement in Shaw Brothers. But once he started getting big and getting a little bit away... You started seeing stuff like Shaolin Temple, the massacre at the Shaolin Temple, uh, uh, the one that we did, Killers from Shaolin. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at that. I mean, and, and still, I mean, they were masked. I mean, look at that, how that scene right there. It's brilliant. Yeah. And there's the and there's the shed from uh, Golden Swallow from back in '68 still standing, <laughs> except for the painted back. Yeah, well, they had to buy that Which full of that back lot back there. He did it on purpose. He made it look fake on purpose because we've seen it before, and they have made that look real. And, and you know, it's um, I mean, they, you know, it was just it was on the back lot, you know, and they would just do stuff over and over and in re, you know, how many times have we sat? I mean, how many times is the tavern, you know, you've seen the tavern and these, you know, the the, the uh, foray or whatever it is where the, they, they sit. It's been a lot of these films. So they definitely got their money wor- money's worth on that for sure. And there's a British documentary on the shawls, which I would think it was probably from the 70s sometimes. It kind of kind of neat because it shows some of them you know they're they're constructing some different buildings you know at clearwater bay you know some obviously moving into you know making a new film so it's pretty you know it's it's an interesting documentary it's on facebook or facebook on um youtube yeah and there's and it's very rare that you see that now that in a shaw brothers film is the tartars is a villain that really mm-hmm. sets this film back in the Genghis Khan days. Right, it's back. You're right, but it fits into the, you know, the the um, kind of period that the Shaw brothers were always shooting for. Yeah, you know, uh, the kind of period, uh, you know, the period film. Most of the shows are set. The history was set in like the Tang Dynasty or the Ming Dynasty. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and Song. What's this? this is in the Song Dynasty? See, right? Am I right? Yeah. Make an exposition dump sound badass. <laughs> Just by 
a tone of voices. Right. And that's a reoccurring thing too. Families jealous of each other, political power, and all that. Yeah, that's 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 a fact. You see that on um, uh, the Crippled Avengers for one. Did we do the we did the Crippled Avengers, didn't we? I believe. <laughs> yeah. And I want, why did Shaw Brothers never really put all their eggs in the basket with Gordon Liu? As good as he freaking is. Yeah, yeah. He's an, and you know what? Honestly, he's a, a damn good actor too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, top notch. His martial arts skills are obviously amazing, but he's, a, I mean, he's a fine actor. Look how many Shaw Brothers film was he in before they even gave him the chance to be. The lead in 36 Chamber, and even then they were like, I don't know. Right, right. And any other director could make a large exposition dump like this boring. Right. There's just this tension there. Yes, yes. And he's, I mean, he's classic at that, being able to build the, the tension. I mean, look at the lessons that his character is learning. Patience, wait for your time, you know. Right. And that's that's another thing that they, you know, uh, what was the film we did last month? Uh, um, I forget. Uh, that we, <laughs> not Bewitched, it was one of them. Oh, Boxer's Omen. Yeah, Boxer's Omen. and it's another film kind of also. You know, it it had a guy heading into, you know, into uh, a temple to, you know, and he had to learn patience. And, and you know, the same thing in this film. I mean, you know, it, obviously, you know, we're not to that point yet, but, you know, we'll bring it up when it comes. But it kind of follows along the same. And a lot of their films did follow along the same pattern. You know, man who would, you know, he either trained, you know, strict training regiment, you know, he entered into, a, yeah. you know, a monastery or a, a temple to train, you know, yeah. so a lot of their films follow that same kind of pattern also, especially a lot of their martial arts films. Yeah. And you can't tell me Lark Lung hadn't seen Night of the Living Dead before he shot that scene there before when he jumped in the windows. <laughs> Yeah, only in a Shaw Brothers, well, Lockhart Loon, could they make losing not seem bad. Right. Well, it's like, always horrific. They kill me, it's but heroic. I'm thinking I'll yeah. get you down beforehand. Right. It's it's always heroic. Yeah. Or heroic bloodshed. I've always heard, well, this one, and definitely the Yakuza films of the early 90s, like the John Woo films. Mm-hmm. But this would definitely fit in there, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
And I feel bad for a lot of those guys who's got to dress in the Tarzan loincloth. (laughs) (laughs) But they're always brilliant with their colors. I mean, their colors are just always shocking. They're, They're brilliant. Like, well, sh- we're screwed now. <laughs> I mean, this even plays like two or three movies. You got the movies with Fu Shang here dealing with his mental illness and dealing with his brother, and you deal with uh, Gordon Liu trying to learn patience. Right. Which really would have paid off because in the end act it was supposed to be Fu Shane going after the killers. And Gordon Liu deciding to stay in the temple. Right. And it's like we said, you know, with the last film, the um, the last one we watched, you know, and it's it's the fact that it's it's that discipline, you know, and they believed in that. You know, obviously martial arts was a you know, it was a strict yeah. strict regiment of training, you know, both mentally and physically. And then you know, so you know, it it's all part of kind of that, you know, adding into that the Shaw brothers, you know, what they built, you know, it, you know the, the spiritual boxer, you know, yeah. a lot of films going on down the line. They always had to have that particular, you know, training. And we know, you know, in the discipline, you know, when you went outside of the discipline and and you broke the rules, you know, you were obviously, you know, sometimes you paid for them and sometimes you didn't. But, you know, it was still within that training regimen. That was one of Shaw's staples. And, and, you know, it's it's we've talked about it a million, you know, not a million. <laughs> We've talked about it a lot, you know, just the, the the whole, you know, being accepted into something, you know, somebody training you, you know, we know that uh, like in the spaghetti westerns, you know, there's a guy training, you know, another guy. And, and most of the times, especially, you know, we did Bells of Death. And Bells of Death, you know, the 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 protagonist learns how to be a badass in like five minutes you know there was a lot of italian westerns also you know where they picked up a gun and you know a lot of the peter lee lawrence films obviously because he looked like he was a young guy you know he could pick up a gun and then two hours later you know you know when he picked up the gun they made fun of him that he couldn't shoot straight you know but you know 20 minutes later he was the badass so that's one of the nicer things about uh death rides a horse it actually shows about 17 or 18 years change before he becomes a badass. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, it just, you know, it, it's, it takes more than, you know, 36 chambers or something. It, it takes something like that, you, you know, where you actually, well, even you know, nobody's going to learn that crap say, overnight. You have, you have completed this faster than anyone else in under three years. Right, right. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it, but it's. <laughs> yeah, Bob Collins you know, is never one to do the time cheat. Right, right. Yeah. But yeah. So, you see a lot of them do the montage. <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Yes, yeah. a quick yeah, <laughs> a quick training montage of. Yep, there you go. And now he's a badass. The ones that always get me is is the ones that start out that are, you know, you know damn well they're not a badass. Yeah. And, and you know, but all of a sudden they're a badass. Them kind of to oh, a point. Oh, the old hermit character who looks weak and stuff, and then all of a sudden. <laughs> right. In a classic one, you know, I love the film. It's absolutely one of the most brilliant films. Any Western is face-to-face. Is the Volantes Fletcher character when he beats um, the big dude. His name was Nelly something. It wasn't Nelly. I can't remember what his name is right now. But, but, you know, it's, you know, okay. I I can't, I don't, I don't buy that. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, they have them, you know, and it's it's something. That is, uh, mm-hmm. you've seen Quigley Down Under, right? Oh, yeah. Great film. Where it has, yes. like, the whole film, Tom Selleck's character's like, hey, you want to shoot with a pistol? I ain't got no use for him. And then at the last, bam, bam, bam. I said I got no use for him. I didn't say I didn't know how to use it. Yeah, I mean, look at him. He's seeing what happened because he tried to run outside. He's seeing mm-hmm. the consequences of him being an impatient dimwit. Right. And that's another thing that Bruce Lee loved in his movies, too, wasn't it? Well, mm-hmm. his Hong Kong films. Right. Consequences. Like, he yes. killed a whole bunch of motherfuckers in, fist of fi- in the, his first film, The Big Boss. What happens to him? He goes to jail. <laughs> you know? Right, right. He kills a bunch of people in the Chinese connection, a.k.a. Fist of Fury. What happens to him? The police kill his ass. Justifiably, too. Yeah, yeah. And, and that partially probably was, you know, whoever the backer was. You, you know, which which is, you know, kind of odd to a point. Well, you know, martial arts is all about <laughs> respect. Who's at him, for God's sake? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 martial arts are more about honor and respect, you know, in, in the right way. Yeah. You know, that's why all the bad guys. But eventually that line started to. You know, as the 70s rolled around, like, I mean, the Street Fighter films, I mean, that dude is, um, Terry is, is a bad son of a bitch, regardless, yeah, he, you know well, what I'm saying? Yeah, he's a son of a bitch. And he's that, he's that bordering of a line, he's almost like a, a, a Clint Eastwood, a spaghetti western type of hero, yeah. you know, because he's that, you know, morally ambiguous, he's kind of straddling the lines between, you know, yeah. good, but... But a lot of the martial arts, especially from Hong Kong, you know, and China, you know, that was drawn. The good were good, the bad were bad. And, and you know, they didn't really, you know, there was some devious ones, like in, you know, um, in the spiritual box. You know, there was some, 
devious ones, but there yeah. were always kind of, you know, draw the line was drawn in the sand. Yeah, I mean, well, look at this scene right here. You had the scene where Gordon Liu's character destroyed his spear. Uh-huh. Laid down the weapons. Then immediately cut to him being eager to fight. Right. To the point where they're going to have to calm him the fuck down, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, the, you know, you can see where the plot lines are pretty much headed. You know. Right. I mean, look at the way he's holding that spear like now and petting it. And here he is at the Shaolin Monk, Shaolin Temple. Mm-hmm. Just think of how well stocked the temple was with just background actors and that. And look how many are not here. Right, <laughs> right. You know what fascinates me is I just, I just, you know, I'm, I, I know this. They were, I know, Clearwater Bay was destroyed. You know, I mean, I think they built condos there or something. But I would, I would, you know, you just wonder what happened to that stuff. Well, you, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Uh, tore it down and trashed it. I would Some think so. Some of the signs so, yeah. were saved, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it's. You know, and I know, like, their dormitory still stands. It's something else now. But yeah. I'm sure all the buildings that were built for, you know, the sound stages and, and, and yeah. you know, they're I'm sure they're all, you know, torn down by now. And here's the only scene you ever see in martial arts history where someone for, forcibly baptizes themselves to be put in the Shaolin Temple. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, that's one of the points of his character's arc was supposed to be. He has to force himself to be peaceful. Right, right. But ultimately we'll see that, you know, respect well, family. <laughs> and Would you say that his character's a little bit mad himself after that? Oh, yeah. He's angst, isn't he? He's full of angst. He's definitely angry. Yeah. And they realize that he's got a lot of work to do to be able to, you know, to hold that all in or, to, you know, to change. I mean, he's a big case. Let it go. Yeah. And, uh, and, and there's it, the you know, same head abbot from... Uh, 36 Chamber, the same actor. Right. And you notice he looks very sun, sunny Chiba-ish in that scene right there? Yes. <laughs> I mean, you can tell they scrimped on extras on this because this look. This is the same Shaolin Temple set, but it looks threadbare compared to what it usually would be. 
Yeah, I'm sure they were probably getting to the point. Like I said, they were only a year away from, you know, where they were heading to totally into television. I'm sure by then the writing was on the wall. You know, they they kind of knew they were the returns just weren't there anymore. They just lost their touch. Yeah, they did, and and it just how they are. It outgrew them. You know, I mean, it happens to everybody. Anyone who yes. thinks that they're not, yeah. or movie company people or anything, that they're not going to grow out of touch, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, you know, maybe some of the studios that did it in the U, you know, you know, in the U.S., it might have been different, you know, because it was kind of a union-ran monopoly to a point. But any of the overseas ones, yeah, I mean, it was bound to happen. You know, you can only run something, and something can only be successful. And if you don't change, you know, yeah. And, and where was Hong Kong film heading anyways at this time? You know, we're starting to do some of the Category 3. I couldn't see the Shaw Brothers heading into Category 3 films. And I'm not saying that was the well, only film there. Actually, they did, but, you know, Confessions of a Intimate... Intimate yeah, yeah. Of a courtesan and stuff like that. Yeah, they did some more risque stuff, but but you know those were an exception to the rule. You know they they made money off of these these things were cheap to produce, so they just churned them out. Well, and you they just churned too many. What really saved Golden Harvest was the, their ability to do crossover titles with the U.S. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, think of how much money the Shaw Brothers lost on Blade Runner. Right, right. True. A That's flop, really yes. ne- How come people really never mention that when it comes to the history of Shaw Brothers and the, their closing up shop? Right, yeah. And that did a lot, you're right. And I think Shaw was kind of slowly moving away. You know, I think Mona Fong was taking over a lot of, you know, the duties then, and Run Run Shaw was kind of, you know, more starting to put his emphasis and and attention towards television, and that probably took a lot away from, you know, he wasn't doing the day-to-day like he had been doing for years and years, and that probably hurt also. Yeah, $10,000 a package for the Kung Fu Theater series. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, I looked. That's how much uh, Shaw and her U.S. distributor were charging for uh, each. They were like three packages. Mm-hmm. About 10, 15, 20 films each. Wow. Well, you remember they did the same with the Universal and the AIP and all that. Right. And that's when they got and they got rid of the theatrical rights and the foreign distribution rights to uh celestial right, right, which you know what they did with celestial was probably a good thing because you know obviously they weren't going to do anything with them, and if celestial didn't come in there and do something with them, if they would have just sat there. You know, they would the, the films would have just you know got into more disrepair. They actually did a you know, Celestial did a service to all of us who are you know Shaw Brothers fans. I mean, I don't know how yeah. successful Celestial's been with it, 
but you know, at least they, you know, they did something and preserved it, which is important. Well, they kept the prints into theatrical distribution. Mm-hmm. Right. True. They did. Because Saint the Celestial last year, this yeah, early this year I got to see Thirty Six Chamber of Shaolin on the big screen. I bet you that was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah. And don't forget, Shaw Brothers had their wonderful world of Disney show and made an insane amount of money off that and was one of the biggest rated shows ever. <laughs> yeah, lo- I mean, I love it. He is so desperate that he basically baptize, you know, indoctrinates himself. Right. They never do say he's accepted in. That's a brutal scene, though, ain't it? (laughs) Well, Well, if there was was ever a man that should have been bald. (laughs) Oh, I would never see him look good with hair. No, he does, right. I mean, he looks like a super badass with uh... a... Well, I think he's been like a Shaolin monk since he was 20. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that's correct. And, and, you know, that could have also been, you know, with that long hair, he kind of just didn't stand out to you. But once he shaves that head, you know, he becomes that badass, you know, and he's, like I said, he looks good as a man with a bald head. So, I mean, that was definitely his signature type thing, just like Tally Savalas or, you know, once that hair was gone, Yul Brenner, you know. his entire face right there. Right. And then we'll just look at him like, damn. (laughs) And I wish I could just drag my head across my hair, well, in my face and get that smooth as shave, even with the cut. Wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ain't, ain't that the fact. <laughs> I can't even do my face like that, and I'm looking in a freaking mirror, so. Yeah. <laughs> With the razor, you know, so. Yeah, so, you know, it's weird that it's already, it's years about over, you know, it. It's strange. We're heading into 2020. Yeah. Crazy. Just ow. 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 I mean, this plays in the music just like something out of a horror film. Just what the Yeah, looking at his head, you can see why it is. Yeah. I mean, how deep is he pretty much, his character burnt that thing in his head. <laughs> oh, damn. Whew. That, you know, let's face it, your head is tender as hell. <laughs> yeah. How many times has he been there to these places to train? <laughs> He should know him like the back of his hand now. But 
But it's that you know it's that classic story of you know to the the, the two brothers, two type siblings who you know take different paths and eventually you know. Yeah, well, yeah. we'll see what happens. And I love this is like in any other movie. You must get better to kill Pan May. You must get better to fight Pan May. Not right. this one. You must get better to testify against. They want to take his ass out legally. Right. Right. And I love that. He wakes up from his nightmare and he's screaming, kill, kill. He's definitely angry. Definitely angry. And look at the look at his face. He don't know how the hell they got there. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Oh, oh. I mean, he's really had a true psychotic break. There is no... Well, they're sympathetic characters, but there's no heroic characters in this No, movie. no, not yet. Not yet until he does his, you know, until he learns discipline. He's got yeah. to learn his discipline first. The good old discipline. You know, when I was going through all this, I did not even know that Carlo had... And he, he acted in a lot of freaking films. Yeah. I did not know that. Like 124 of them. Yeah. Do you remember the guy that fought Jackie Chan under the train in Drunken Master 2? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was all Carloon. Wow. Yeah, he's been in a ton. But that was the last film Carloon directed, too, because Jackie Chan pretty much... Got him fired because, in his word, he was too old school. Mm. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That's a shame, ain't it? Well, you know what Jackie Chan wanted? <laughs> he wanted that over-the-top insanity, you know what I mean? Yeah, he wanted to be modern for the kids, and he was right. It was time for He was that. right. You, you had to do something. It obviously, it made him a fortune. He's had a long career. I mean, he's... Kind of like Evil Knievel, I'm sure he's stuck together with pens and staples and everything else. But Well, remember, yeah. he's in the Guinness World Book of Records for the most broken bones on any human. <laughs> <laughs> I think it last count was like 200. Wow. Could you imagine that? Wow. No, thanks. But obviously, there was <laughs> something in him that made him go do it again. You know, most people, after one or two, they'd say, eh, I'm done, you know, I don't think I'm going to do that anymore. Well, that was his yeah. gimmick, if you know what I mean. I do right. my own stunts. <laughs> yeah, oh, he did, yeah. And he did some insane stunts. I mean, stuff that's, you know, but, yeah, no, it's all right. This here but is then like that's the anti-training you know, scene. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Carlo, you know, you got to, 
his first film that really, to me, the kind of really, I mean, it's it's damn close to being a masterpiece in my eyes, was his film in 75, which was his second uh, directing effort, and that was um, The Spiritual Boxer. And it was the one where yeah. they had the hero was a young guy, and his name was Yu Wang, Yu Wong, but they named him Yu Wang. That's <laughs> kind of a, as a poke at, you know, Jimmy Wang Yu. And that kind of put him on the map, and that was, like I said, that was in 65. And then after that, he was, I mean, he's, he didn't direct a lot of films. I think yeah. 25 or 26. Yeah. But, you know, he did some great ones. You know, I mean, Dirty Ho, Challenge of the Masters, uh, Heroes of the East, Mad Monkey Kung Fu, Return of the 36th Chamber, um, My Young Annie. So, I mean, he did some absolutely amazing films. You know, and like you said, he did The Drunken Master, too, and and Drunken Master Killer. Yeah. But, um, so, I mean... You know, he, he he was definitely a professional. His films look are beautifully shot. They're professionally made. You know, his his um, uh, fight yeah. scenes are are fantastic. And look right there, we had just gotten this scene right here has to be in the reshoots because unless Gordon Liu's character does what he does in the last act. This scene has no reason to be in the movie. Because it really does show the tragedy of what happens to him in the last act. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that, yeah, I, I don't know if, yeah, that's that's a good one there. You're right. Yeah. He has to learn to defang the wolves and not kill them. Right. Right. Damn, how iconic is just that shot? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, See, and we get our training thing isn't to learn, it's to unlearn. Right. Obviously, I mean, you know, Gordon Liu there, obviously, you know, for most people would probably know him from the Kill Bill films. Kill Bill, Master Killer, and a.k.a. Uh, 36th Chamber. Yes, and I and, I, and he's, I believe he's still acting. I could be wrong, but I believe he no, still is. No, he's I, been I convalescent in the hospital for the past two years. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. 
Okay, that's a shame, ain't it? He said goodbye to all his fans in about uh, 16 or 17, and he didn't even leave the hospital when his brother died. Wow. I remember now that that rings a bell. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, or us talking about that in a sh- on a show. Yeah. Wow, that's a shame. He didn't want his fans or people to see him weak, you know. Right, right, right. I I think the last film that I seen him in was, and I picked up a DVD of it at a at a, at a thrift store was The True Legend, which came out in 2010. Yeah. And he played like you know a, a trainer or kind of an old master type of thing. Uh, you know, I wish I'd look as good as he did at eighty. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the freaking truth? <laughs> uh, I think he's. I think he was born in fifty-one, which would put him what at sixty-eight, sixty-nine. So, I'm not sure. Yeah, I know his brother was much, much older than him. But I think he was born in 51 or around that time. I'm going to fuck that monkey. He's trying to get rid of this crazy motherfucker. And this guy right here is like, no, I've devoted my life to be a monk. You can't be a monk, you crazy motherfucker. Get the fuck out. No, I must fight. <laughs> right. This is definitely one movie where... In the English dub, it's a lot cruder. She says the monk is an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, I have, I have a wonder sometimes when they when they you get them, you know, the dubs or the or the subtitles, and they give you some stuff. Like I was watching a western the other night, and it was, um, um, you know, they were using the, I mean, just dropping the f bomb like every three minutes. It's a western from the yeah. early seventies, and I'm thinking, I, I wonder yeah. if they just, you know what I mean? They were sitting there while they were rip, making the. Um, you know the subtitles think, man, I hate this motherfucker. You know, and they're, they're saying you know, every other word was like fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah, you know, I'm like, like, we gotta make it edgy now. They said fucking midnight cowboy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true, true. I mean, they were dropping him right and left. I was like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe I don't know. You know, I it was in Italian, so I couldn't really figure it out. I can pick up yeah. some words in Italian, but not all of them. Not that word. I get. Usually that's when you when you learn any kind of new languages. It's that first, you know, it's a curse word, especially from being back in school. You know that you learn is the the curse words. But I, you know, I never knew what that one is. So. Uh, Mickey Knox, I think Mickey Knox said in an interview once that come close to the seventies that they. Uh, told them when they're doing the dubs, add some more fucks and stuff to it to make it seem more edgier. Is that right? Uh, I don't doubt it. Like I said, it was a film from maybe 72. You know, and it, and it you know, it, it was Robert Woods and he was playing a half-breed and he had yeah. a ponytail, you know, which is kind of odd for, you know, he was the protagonist, but yeah, there, was a lot yeah. of, there were a lot of F-bombs being <laughs> dropped in it. Like I said, I... Like I said, I love the fact that in most of these movies it's about we must kill, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, and did you remember watching Blade of the Immortal? Yes. That alley still exists, because remember, that's where they filmed the one fight from it. Oh, you're right. Yeah, so some of these towns still exist. Mm, you're right. I'm going to have to watch it again. Now, that's the movie you turned me on to, you know, because I'm, you know, when it comes to new crap coming out, you might as well forget it. <laughs> you know that. I mean, yeah. you're the one who always telling me and sending me shit, so, I mean, I know nothing yeah. about these. But that is one movie that I did pick up, and that's obviously based off of a manga. Or was it off of a manga? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but it was, yeah, I a great film. I remember talking to Mahaffey. He was showing, he's like, I don't know if I should show this at the Horror Fest. I'm like... Man, more people get killed in this than mo- all the horror films combined you showed ain't that this a, weekend. Ain't that a, ain't that <laughs> in the first five, in the first twenty minutes, in, <laughs> they're in the yeah. first uh, in the first scene. Is it the first scene? Just carnage. If, I, if my if my memory serves yeah, me right, the first isn't scene, it? He killed about fifty guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah so, I've seen this town in lots of films since the Shaw Brothers. Is that right? That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. I am glad to hear that. You know, maybe it's like, you know, some place where they rent out now. You know what I'm saying? Somehow, yeah. you know, where they rent 
for them to shoot. Maybe that still stands. I don't know. I I thought a lot of it went down for condos, but hell. Yeah, you know, a lot I, of it went down for condos. The iconic sets, like the Shaolin Temple opening, but stuff like this, like, look at that red thing. You know that was in uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Okay. Wow. That's awesome to know. Because they do love their period dramas over in Japan. Well, Hong Kong back then. Oh, they, they, yeah. Well, they were, yeah. They, well, and the Shaw brothers surely filled them with plenty of them. That's the reason Shaw brothers was able to last so long, is they had this city built. True. True, and that's why they used it. You know, they yeah. used it and used it and used it. For sure, yeah. I mean, that's why. That's why a lot of their films were. You know, because, a lot of people I mean, tried to get Shaw to turn this into sort of like a, a Disneyland thing where people could come in and uh, tour the sets. That would have been awesome. But all that they been was awesome. the money they could make converting the land into condos. And they probably made a ton. Yeah. You know, but, yeah, that would have been awesome. And, and you know, back then... You know, you know how it worked back then. You know, nobody yeah, thought that really anything would go on beyond any of this. Before they tore it down. Yeah, and, and you know, the um, fandom has just grown. You know, and I'm not just saying for them. I'm just saying for all. You know, for all movies, and you, you know, it's, the fandom has just grown insanely. You know, huge. So, you know. So I, now it would be feasible, but back then, nah. Oh, you couldn't see. <laughs> you couldn't go to a black mar- flea market in the 90s without there being that one guy with the table mm-hmm. filled with yeah. martial arts movies. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And sometimes like, it would uh, be the guy with the... um. Like... Uh, RZA and the Wu-Tang Clan had the Master Killer series. Mm-hmm. They had stuff like uh, Enter the 46 Chambers, Killers from Shantung, you know. Yeah, and, it would all, and, uh, and if it wouldn't be that dude, there would be another dude that would always have the boots, you know, of, of the um, martial art films. Oh, There's yeah. not those who won a great market scene, and they'd be all like all sorts of obscure Shaw films. Never released over here. Like right, uh, the right. beheaded 100. Yeah. Now, now I could. That is one thing you could find. You're right. Is you could go to a flea market. You know, just depending on what part of town where you were at. You know, I used to go to one up in. You know, I live in Cincinnati, so I would drive one all the way up in Columbus sometimes because there would all and it was in a you know in a, a rougher part of town, but they would always have some obscurely crazy you know kung fu, karate films. Shit that I, you know, and I was like, damn. You know, you'd go in there and you'd be like, wow. You know, damn. Or Chinese grocery stores. Yeah, true. You know, and I've said this before. You know, I was so worried about, you know, uh, martial arts films, spaghetti westerns. That Man, I, I passed out. I passed on a lot of crap during my day. 
you know, the big boxes when they were going out here. I was looking for spaghetti, and my, that's all I would go. I'd go to the western section. You know, I still loved horror, but you know how that was. You'd, who would have thought that, you know, VHS market would get insanely crazy like it is right now? But, you know, I'd be looking for, you know, the VHSs of martial arts, you know, martial or western. Spaghetti films are weird on VHS because they break the rule. Because usually you would get the, what I call it, the atomic degeneration rules, and half of the horror films that were on VHS aren't on DVD and so on and so on. True, true. But with true. spaghetti westerns and Shaw Brothers and martial arts films, it got bigger and bigger. Like, mm-hmm. there's more spaghetti westerns out on Blu-ray. True, true. Than there was ever on VHS. Oh, fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's a fact. That is a fact. Believe me, for a guy, and you know, I was only in so big of an area. You know, I wasn't in New York, where I'm sure there was more of the, you know, product available I wasn't in some of the bigger martial cities, arts, you know. Yeah, but not the spaghetti western still. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, the martial arts I could find, you know, I could almost guarantee. And, and you know what, I'm I'm telling you, people just don't understand the exhilaration of going to them and finding martial arts films, finding Shaw Brothers films. Yeah. You know, sitting there and watching them and, and running home and couldn't wait to put them in. You know, it was... It was like something nobody will ever, you know, you won't, and people will never know it again. Yeah. You know, it's it's over. It's, it's instant gratification takes a lot, a lot away from it. You know, not yeah. that. I mean, yeah, I hate to drive, and I'm, you know, I probably spent a lot of my years. I mean, just the fact of how many miles I used to travel sometimes looking for stuff. Wow, that's you know, I don't know what I would have done with those extra hours, but still. <laughs> the hunt was the thing, but when yep, it comes to Eddie West, it wasn't to you like guys like you and Tom Betts. Mm-hmm. Before we really started to get a decent overview of spaghetti westerns, like if you right. know when uh, DVD first come out. Uh, Blue Underground put out like a Django Kill, uh, right, right. Django, Menagerie, Run mm-hmm. Man Run. Right, and and you know to me they were always I don't know if they were sold other places, but the only place I ever found them was at Borders, records and yeah, tapes. Now and I don't they know if they're sold still in like this. crap, and those nowadays are on basic lists. True. True. Through. Even non-spaghetti westerns and non-Tarantino fans know Django. Right, right, right. That's a fact. Yeah, it's, you know, but, I mean, and if you look at it, I mean, I know Kino released a lot of bare, bare, bare-ass bone DVDs or, and Blu-rays, or Blu-rays, I think. I don't know if they do the DVDs anymore, but, you know, they're bare bones. They're good enough. You know, but it's yeah, we're mostly also get an Italian dub and, or find an Italian dub of uh, Faccia e Faccia. Right, yeah, and, and I did get that. Yes, that's correct. There, there was they do have that one, but the quality shit, the audios, not shit, but the audios 
you know, you, you can't hear some portions if you have it down, like, you know, like you would if you were watching the, you know, the English version of it. You know, I watched both of them, and, you know, the Italian wasn't in the, I don't think they really spent a lot of time remastering the print either, of the Italian language one. Well, I've never really seen a great print of it. No, no, it's not, even the, even the, um, the, the uh, English version one is, it's not bad, it, but it's not, you know, it's, it's, as about as you're, as good as it's ever going to get. Yeah. It isn't like ones like Death Rides a Horse and stuff. I mean, I love the stuff that uh, Dragon Dynasty did with the Shaws, but the problem mm-hmm. is, is that it was hard to sell eight, uh, eight, thirty-six chamber of Shaolin to an audience that knew Master Killer. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. And that hurt, too. I mean, how hard would it be to go look for something like, I want to get eight diagram pole fighters, but you only know it as vicious pole fighting, you know, like, or something like that. Mm-hmm. You're going to pass it over because that's not the title you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, the, the first um, time I passed uh, Five Fingers of Death, I didn't buy it. I was like, "What the fuck is this game boxer <laughs> crap?" You know. Well, and, and here's one for you. How many times would you go somewhere, and you'd it would you'd be looking at tapes, and you'd see something, and it just would not click, and you'd yeah. be driving home or going home or sitting home later that night, and you'd say, "You know what? That was fucking so and so." I can't tell you how many times I did that. The first time, Kioma. <laughs> You know, it was it was a movie called Desperado, it, where the it, the tape was released. I think it was Let Us Entertain You, was the company, yeah. and I had seen Kioma, but I had seen it in a really really shitty print. Not that that ain't a shitty print, but you know, I, I was always on the lookout for him. And I remember going home thinking, you know what, that was fucking Kioma, yeah. you know. But it was called De- it was released here as Desperado, and it I'm telling you something. I, you know, the Shaw. You know, Shaw Brothers is not as bad as any spaghetti westerns when it comes to the, the all the different titles. Wow, some yeah. of them just have mass amounts of titles. You know, over and over and over again. It's like, damn. Oh, and I remember now what the other title for Ape Diagram Pole Fighter was. Master Killer Three, if you remember. Mm. Some idiot put out the Master Killer collection, and they just grabbed like five or six uh, Gordon Liu titles. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Master Killer, Master Killer Two, Master Killer Three, Master Killer Four. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what though? What do you think would happen to somebody that would do it now? You know what I'm saying? The way everybody just blows shit away. You know what I mean? There's a lot of great knowledge out nowadays, thank God. Right, but like we had talked about in a in a um, in a um, a previous show, there's I, I mean, as far as I know, there's never been a a book devoted to just the Shaw Brothers Studios. 
No. You know, I know somebody Earliest wrote a, a book a, I've a, ever read was a bullet to the head, sex in the Zen, right. and that covers yeah. the 90s stuff on. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think anybody's ever looked at, you know, from the beginning to the end, which would be one hell of an undertaking. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't think anybody ever has, and I'm sure there's plenty of, I, well, I can't say there's plenty. I know Shaw released a lot of, you know, they had their own magazines. Now, whether that information's factual or whether it was just part of a publicity or scene, you know, or a, you know, for publicity for the um, studio, I don't know. Well, I would say the magazine would be more like Bruce Lee, their final days. Right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. But it's yeah. all over the person that wouldn't sign with us. <laughs> right. Well, which started a whole other sub-genre after that, Bruce yeah. Lee rises and from the grave. And look how empty the inset is there. Yeah. There's two fucking tables. <laughs> and how full usually is that with set dressing? There's usually yeah. a bar, a crap load of tables. Yeah, it's getting towards the end, ain't it? They're getting, to, they're cutting the budget down. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to notice Dread Bear, but sometimes you just do. Right. You're right. Blu-ray release over here. 
You know what I'm saying? Some of the, the only time um, I've seen um, that is when Fox had uh, the Fortune Star series. Mm-hmm. And it right. was called uh, Doctor Vampire. Right. But you know, you wonder why they don't, you know, why they don't release something like that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's all kinds of great, you know, some of the um, uh, the Chinese ghost stories. You know why they have never had a nice Blu-ray? I, I know they're right. I mean, did you ever? Get yeah, true, true. Fox but I mean, you would think everybody else. Series at Fox. What? There's other, you know, all these companies over here looking for some of these films. You would think that, you know what I'm saying? How? <laughs> she cut his nipple off. <laughs> but the Fortune Star had a lot of Samuel Hung stuff. They had, uh, they put out. Uh, in, encounters of the spooky kind. They put out Doctor Vampire. They put out. Did they Battle do wisely? Did they do the Legend of Wisely too, or am I? I got that one wrong. Yeah, the Grand, du- the Last Duel. Right. Uh, the one with Samuel Hung in Vietnam. <laughs> Eastern Condors. Eastern Condors, there you go. Lucky Train. And My Lucky Stars, the first one in the Star series. Right. I love this. This movie does not get any hope. I mean, it just keeps getting darker and darker, you know. (laughs) It does. You're right. It's, yes. But if you notice from here on, oh, we've passed the point. From here, from that last scene where it showed him fighting the monk, uh, Fu Shang is gone for the rest of the movie. That's right. how much they had filmed before Fu Shang died. Right, that's correct. Uh, Fu Shang was supposed to be the one in the coffin, not there. He's supposed to make it to the temple, you know. Right, he was the star, you're right. And he was supposed to end up being the one to go and fight. Mm-hmm. A man's got to do what a man's got to do. <laughs> yeah. At that time, it's dueled the showdown time. And this is one of the best showdowns they've ever filmed. Oh yeah, they definitely did it well over the top. That's yeah, I agree. Because in reality, this is where Gordon Liu's character is supposed to vanish from the film. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. Getting, he's got that look on his face. Oh, yeah, it's coming. But like I said, she got, this is supposed to be where uh, Fu Shang got shocked by the shock of that and just. Mm-hmm. 
in the way you get the hint and the way they filmed it that they knew that he was a mad dog and they knew something like this was going to come up, so that's why they trained him. Right, right. Yeah, the big training sequence to lead up to the finale. And do you recognize what other movie that pole was in? That I do not. Let me the see. The Forbidden Kingdom, the one with Jet Li and Jackie Chan. Oh. Yeah, no, was a replica I've... of it, but... Right. See, can't you see this feature speech being, uh, that being Gordon Liu saying the teacher's point? Mm-hmm. And that being Fu Shang? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'm, I have n- nothing against Fu Shang, but I am a huge Gordon Liu fan, so, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So, it, to me, it's, yeah, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm sorrowful that he died young and such, but... You know, I'm I'm a huge Gordon Liu fan, so. Oh yeah, I mean, if it's anybody but Gordon Liu, I think they might have just scrapped the film. I I, I think so. You're right, and, and you know he should have been a, he should have been the lead anyways. Yeah, I know yeah. he was the hot shot kid, and they, you know he, you know maybe they Shaw thought that they could, you know, revive the martial arts with Fushang, but you know yeah, Gordon Liu like, tried through. You know, man, we don't need nobody else. Yeah. Yeah. Shaw never understood why the Lau Brothers movies kept making so much money because it wasn't what he, you know. You know, I didn't, this isn't what sells. This isn't what made me money 20 years ago, so why is it making money? This makes no sense. Fear of change can destroy you is worse than changing. Right. Oh, crap. They find with pillows now. They're getting serious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even with the final fight, this is just badass right here. It is. And then it's the, the shots. You know the overhead shot coming up. You know when he when he walks out yeah. of the temple. I mean it's all just it's all beautifully done. I mean it's yeah. it's masterfully thought out. You know for one thing, and, yeah, and for them to be able to overcome to, 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 to for this to be as good of a film as it is. Okay, sorry. Oh, go but ahead. That's what we watch. Go ahead. <laughs> I, no, I lost my train of thought. But, yeah, that's why we can watch a live car alone film with no kung fu, because we know it's going to have payoff. <laughs> and it does, you're right. Ooh, the yin and the yang. See, there, see that's supposed to be the two brothers fighting right there. Mm-hmm. See the metaphor? Right, yes. Would that have been too close to the nose if they had uh, Gordon Liu do that for Fu Shang? 
Yeah, I think so. <coughs> but yeah, it's like, okay, we got to transfer it over to <coughs> all Gordon Liu. <laughs> right. Yeah, the, the 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 finale of this film is just, you know, it's one of the best ever captured in my book. Shaw Brothers wise, one of their best finales. And and you know, you're uh-huh. talking about a film company that had some great finales. So, absolutely. What do you do with I remember here to stay your head in the direction. Oh I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. He's full scene. They're just in, you know. Yeah. I it definitely it's amazing. Yeah, he is one hell of a badass. He pulls right up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's bad. And he uses it almost like it's a machine gun, if you look at it. You know, the way he's rolling it there, it's almost like a machine gun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can break one pole, can you break 22 at once? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, it's bad. And you're watching all this, and I want people to realize, this is not the final fight. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, the, it even ups it. Yeah, however, that's possible, but it ups it. Yeah, this movie's just like, okay, we're going to spend the last 20 minutes topping ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, and that's hard to do. You know, a lot <laughs> oh, of films. Oh shit! You, you know, they'll they'll make a mistake of you know killing one of the you know the the uh, some of the antagonists too early, which takes some of the stress you know the tension away. But this film only builds the tension and continues that way. Oh, that's badass, having the big steel pole hidden inside when they break it. Mm. And that, just that, with the coffins. Yeah, it's a badass, yeah. Yeah. For sure. And there's the noise again. Do-do-do-do. And, and, you know, with the coffins, it's almost like he's, you know, he's, he's he has to rise up. You know, he's at the bottom of the, you know. Yeah. And he's got to he's got to go to each level almost, almost like a game of death, you know what I mean? He's got to go yeah. each level to conquer to win, and obviously the baddest badass is on the upper level. Yeah. And I just love how he uses the coffin lid. Just think this was pulled off after Alexander Fu Sheng was dead, and this is the replacement ending. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know what. They had in store, but uh, you, to me, you couldn't top this ending. I'm telling you. No. I mean, I don't care who was acting and not acting. You yeah. couldn't top. It. I couldn't see Fu Shang really pull off this kind of coordination. Yeah, he's no. I agree. And like I said, by then, you know, he had been injured a, numerous times. So, I mean, uh, obviously, there was going to be a stunt double. I would have thought. You know, I don't know if they were still making him do, but I know he had, had some pretty severe injuries, you know, before that. 
That's the thing about Larkolung. He isn't afraid to have his heroes get their ass whipped. Yeah. Get it as good as they get it. Well, but you know what? I mean, how many Spaghetti Westerns did you see that? You know, Clint Eastwood getting his ass kicked and fistful of dollars. They all had it in. Well, not all. Not as bad but the majority as of them had it. started in Django. Yeah, Django got you right. Yeah. That's. Yeah, I love you, sister. Badass. Kick you in the back and knock your ass to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> how beautiful. I love how beautiful that is. They just pick him up with the spear bags like that. That is. Choreography, man. Oh, yeah, it's just mind-boggling, isn't it? Bullshit! I mean, no. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Leave me, go home. Bullshit! (laughs) Yeah! I'm sorry, that felt a lot better than just saying no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Damn. I hear a Christmas puppy. Yeah. <laughs> he made an appearance at our last show, didn't he? Yeah. He, I think he likes to fight that much because he's dancing around just yet, roaring at the screen. <laughs> he likes his finale too, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. yeah. He's got a good taste. He, she, whatever, they got a good taste. Yeah. Take that <laughs> Probably you know, wants Dad to pick her up. Doesn't have a name she. in this movie. Or have they really mentioned his name? Oh, he's gonna shove the wolf up the ass. Oh yeah, it's a bad one, ain't it? Like I said, just when you think this can't be topped, he's like, "Oh really?" Yeah. He's pulling some Chang Shi shit out here with some of the violence. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Well, no, no one got cut in the gut real hard and blood squirted out. <laughs> yeah, but they got, believe me, they got some equally nasty scenes with some of those yeah. when they shove the fucking shit in their mouth and break their teeth out. and Oh, yeah. <laughs> what the hell was that? Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, you don't top that. Well, that's pretty brutal. Yeah, I'm going to knock all your damn teeth out. <laughs> and he ain't the only one. There's a few more get that uh, dental removal. Yeah. Oh, there's another one. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Shaolin dental removal. Guaranteed <laughs> satisfaction. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, they don't have to worry about it later, and I'll have to. Yeah, you got problem <laughs> cavities? Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. And, and you know what? The, the, with with this, there's not a lot of posturing. You know, like some martial arts fights, you'll see where they'll 
you know, they'll do the a lot of, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll battle, but nothing will come. This one, you know, there's always a kind of a quick end to everything. You know what I'm saying? They're, they, they, yeah. I mean, they're brutal. I mean, they're a brutal yeah. fight. Broke the rules, man. I'm just here to get get rid of the wolves. That's right. Oh, that was a headbutt. Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> that hurt. Got hurts. a poor guy stuck in his head. Yeah, you can't tell me that. That probably didn't fucking hurt. <laughs> oh, more teeth. This is dental removal in movie. It is. Like I said, man, this is some shit straight out of Chang Shui. I'll tell you. <laughs> oh damn! Oh, Not oh, gonna yeah. another. Yeah. Oh fuck! Telling you, yeah. There, you don't get any. I mean, this. The ending is just a. It's wow. <laughs> and the violence well, is ratcheted up. The to Yep. Yeah, the ending is just uh, there's there's not many better ones ever been captured on film. I mean, if this was ah. their swan song, it would be one hell of a swan song for sure. I mean, the Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> Right. 
a lot of these epic stories like that would be like five or so books long. 1983. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, 83, you're right. They had two more years till they're kind of... Yeah, but this pretty oh, much was the last hoorah of uh, Gordon Liu. I don't think he did many after this. I, I think he continued to act, but it was probably, it moved, you know, beyond past Shaw, I would guess. He went to mainland. I think after this, him and his brother went to mainland China. Okay. I'd have to check the dates on, uh, da 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 Legendary weapons of Shaolin, though. Yeah, regardless, though, their their production after 85 was down to almost nothing anyway. just a few films a year, so regardless, whatever he appeared in in 85, I think he appeared in some stuff in 85, and then I think he maybe a year or two, maybe a year, and then a couple years after that before he kind of established himself. But I think you're right. I think eventually... I think he went uh, mainland. I think you're right there, but no, 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 no. He did, no, he did stay in, in. He did do. I think he did both. I know he did stay and do some um, Hong Kong films because I remember he was uh, in uh, a film called Tiger on the Beat or something like that. Do you remember that? Yeah, one? that was uh, Lau Kar Lai's uh, 1989 film. Yeah, yeah. So he, he was doing, I, one, I guess, both. Like, yeah. If you haven't seen the first Tiger on the Beat, you need to. I'll just say this. If this doesn't sell you, nothing will. Tiger Lee versus uh, Da Da Da. Gordon Liu with fucking chainsaws. <laughs> Real running chainsaw sword fight. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> it's been a good year. I've had fun with all these. Heck yeah. Oh yeah. And again, if you really are looking for a quick gift, I know it's getting too close to work you need to hurry up and go buy your stuff if you're shipping, but if you're looking for a quick a quick gift for your spaghetti western fan, you can't do worse than Mike House's books. They're Thank cheap, you. Thank they're you. great to read, you'll get a lot of info. But if you're really yeah. buying for someone who's a true collector, there's a deluxe color edition. Thank you. Right, and and they're they're quick reads. You know, I'm I I think we had talked about this a long while. You know, with the car with Char, with um a sh- let me say that again. One show when we with Carl a while back where we had talked. You know, we had talked about the book, which yeah. was still in the. The first book, which was still in the process of being, you know, worked through the bugs. But, you know, I just wanted to do something, you know, just kind of quick, something that you can pick up, read a little bit, put down, pick up, read a little bit. That's, that's you know, and I wrote it, and, you know, at the time, and I told Carl that, you know, I wrote what I wanted to read. You know, that's what I how I like to read. I, I don't want to sit and, you know, dive into a, you know, a 500-page book you know, or a 400-page book. You know, I just want something that's quick and easy. I can read it and then move on. And that's kind of what I was shooting at. And you can't do, and he knows his stuff, so you'll get a lot of good recommendations in that book. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, you know, I love, 
there's some that I just can't take. But, you know, the majority, I really do like them. I love a lot of them. I mean, even some of the god-awful crap ones I've watched. You know, the comedy ones, eh, you know, I've made it through the majority of them. I can't say I've done all of them, you know, especially some of the last ones. But I've at least attempted, you know, so, but... You know, and, and there's some good comedy ones out there, but but yeah. you know the thing about it is, is you know there's a lot of you know wonderful ones out there that you know you're not going to hear about, but you know what, you can look find them in this book, and that this day and age is different from you know your day and age, my day and age when you know we had to hunt shit down, and all we could do is dream about certain things. Now yeah. you know you can go on Amazon Prime, you can go on YouTube. You know, buy it, the physical media if yeah. it's out there, absolutely. But now it's different. So, you know, when I'm recommending in there, uh, God is a Colt 45 with uh, Jeff Cameron, you know, you can probably find that. Whereas in my day, it would have been virtually impossible. So, yeah. you know, I mean, the recommendations are there. There's some great, great films. I mean, and, you know, all I'm doing is trying to just pass a little bit of love, you know what I mean, of, of a genre that I love, you know, on to the other people. So, yeah. you know, that's what the goal is, just to further it, just like Tom yeah. Betts and did with forget, his Western. you cannot truly love a genre unless you admit there's crap in it. Correct, correct. And there's if plenty of crap in it. If you write a book on a genre or director and you write it with rose-colored glasses, you're doing a disservice to the guy and his work. And, 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 you know, and there's some films, you, you know, you can find nuggets in some films, but some films are just shit. You know what I'm saying? I, well, I read a book on Andy Andy Milligan, which I'm not even going to talk about who the author is. But, you know, this guy, could he was finding good shit in a lot, a lot of stuff and was saying how this and that and how, you know, a lot of Andy Milligan shit was shit. I mean, they're terrible. Oh, yeah. I, I will so, admit I, I, if you want to watch Andy Milligan, look for his dramas, his real, his 42nd Grindhouse Sleeve stuff. Right. That's his good shit. That's where his, he was gold. But a lot but of his... you watch most of his horror stuff, oof, oh, my yeah. God. You're not fine. I'm telling you. Yeah. I mean, you know what? You know, you... Regardless, the book is you know, it just if, came out this month in a deluxe edition, and it's coming out in March in a regular edition. It's the ghastly one. Oh yeah, and that's I the best. Who wrote it. Yeah, now but, I would love to have that, but I think it's probably going to be pretty ridiculously high, isn't it? No, didn't you just hear me? The regular cheap no. trade paperback is coming out in March. Yeah, but I think they're releasing a big deluxe one with maybe some of the script, you know. It's already out. Oh, and how much is that? A hundred dollars, and it comes with a giant book of Andy Milligan scripts. It's one of those, if you are a collector, it's worth getting. But the regular edition is coming out now, and I've got the first edition of it, and it is one of the most amazing books on the exploitation and exploitation film. Absolutely. Absolutely, and the dude, you know, he paints a picture to where you can actually, you know, it kind of comes alive, you know, to life when you're reading it, you know, because it does depict a lot of stuff, and it, it, to me, that's kind of me was, you know, when I read it was how visually, you know, you know, you could kind of conjure up in your mind what was going on there, and it, it is a brilliant book, but, you know, I mean, 
Yeah, it is, for sure. And it's Highly not just about Andy yeah. Milligan. It's about the whole scene that he was in, and it's about the 42nd news screen. It's about right, the Cafe right. Kino. It's about La Mama. You right, and whoever the... Additional, what that era... I have seen good books written about 42nd and all that. This is one of the best. Right, no, I agree. And, well, it's been a good year, and I have to say I'll see you next year. And let's start. We talked tonight about how uh, the whole training and mentor thing. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's, let's do a movie that, without going into any spoilers, really kicks the ass out of the whole trainer, Miller, trainer uh, student plot, and that would be a Day of Anger. That's Ooh, one that's yeah, not on please. Arrow, on Blu-ray, but not too many people know it. Not even Lee Van Cleef fans know this one. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the best, for sure. It's one of the best that no one knows. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was really I mean, there I is... step in a circle like, yeah, yeah, kabuchi, kabuchi, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, cool, Correct. you seen Day of Anger? What? Yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah, and, you know... So far, like I said, I'll do this you know, real quick. I know you got to end this, but, you know, I I will not put, you know, Clint Eastwood or, or Leone on, at least not yet. You know, that was one of the things that I decided to do was I'm not putting them on my cover yet. You know what I'm saying? As I write this series of books, just because not that, you know, they're not super important, I just didn't want to, you know, everybody, that's it. Leone, 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 you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah it's oversaturated. And we I know, love Leone. Leone, but he didn't yeah. have good poster. No one told. Right. But I would rather have something like uh, what Roy Colt had was a crap movie, but it had a great Ooh. freaking poster. It did have a great poster, and it was crap. You're right. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, my first two I put on there was Rod Dana, you know, who's Robert Mark in the movie. And then, um, was it Robert Mark? And um, Robert Woods. So I put two people on there. I thought, you know, that, you know, they were part of the genre, but they didn't obviously work with Corbucci or Leone. But, you know, it's the whole genre, just not, you know, that little, you know, there was everything beyond that. And like you said, Day of Anger is a fantastic film. There's a yeah, bullet for the general. There's that. great movies, you know, that yeah. are classics that, you know, and people got to kind of move beyond, you know, the... Um, and don't you know, forget Leone's most interesting films and Sergio Cabucci's most interesting films, in my opinion, is when they got fucking sick and tired of making spaghetti westerns. <laughs> true, true. Good point. I mean, point. when Sergio Leone got sick of him, you got Once Upon a Time in the West, uh, Duck, You Sucker, uh, Once Upon a Time in America, Corbucci, you got The Great Silence. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. A film made out of exasperation and hate can be just as good, if not better, than movies made out of love. Correct. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Great point. Absolutely. 
And good night, everybody. Buy Mike's books if you really want. If you're a newbie and wants to take a test drive into beyond, like you said, beyond loyalty and beyond Corbucci, get his book. You only be out yeah. twelve, thirteen bucks. Jesus. Yeah, Christ. the first one and the second one's nine bucks. So I mean, that's that's shit nowadays. Let's face it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what could you buy yeah. for the second volume for ten bucks? You can't even eat at McDonald's with two people for ten bucks anymore, can you? Unless you go to the dollar menu, but you know Taco Bell, and you'd have the diarrhea afterwards. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's uh, not a lot no, you can... Taco Bell ain't as bad as some of the other restaurants, but yeah, still, <laughs> true. yeah, true, true. But it's just, you know, it's it's uh, it's ten bucks. I mean, it's you know what I'm saying. Yeah. The the, the color one's a little more expensive just because Amazon. You know, for me to publish, for me to buy the, for them to publish the book, they're charging seventeen bucks. You know, for them and to I do that in the shipping. Here that Mike did not want to put out a color edition. He did not go to the well. The well came to him. Yeah, that is true. They I would have never. Like, I mean, yeah. They were like, "Hey, man, all color. Oh, we'll see." Yep. And then another about five or ten. Hey man, all color. Well, and shit, I would have I never. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would have never. Yeah, so I would have never because I don't, you know, I don't want somebody coming back to me saying, you know, there wasn't enough content in there for twenty-one bucks. You know, people ask for it, and I have no control over what Amazon charges. I have no control over that. So you know, that, that's you know, that's the best I can do. So, well, the best you can do is in between the front cover and the back cover, not what's in the price. Correct, and, and I have ten packs of doing the damn good. <laughs> front and back covers. That's just so, working with you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So, yeah, and you know what I'm telling you, these last two weeks, I know it's Christmas. The, the both all the the first, second, and the color have been selling really, really, really good. So, and I know it's Christmas. You know, and I know that helps, but, I mean, it's definitely encouraging. And I know part of it's, you know, I know you've been spreading the word, which, you know, I, I'm very thankful for, you know, and then who anybody well, else. Well, a lot of people who know their sh- have been spreading the word about your book, if you've noticed. And the people true, that true. worship them are like, hey, he likes that stuff. That's true. You're right. I've had a lot of good, you know, Good stuff back from people. You're right that are knowledgeable on, uh, uh, in the genre, and that's. I would love everybody to feedback it. You know, I don't care if you know nothing or you know everything about it, but you know, it's you know when people are telling you that have some in-depth information, you know that it's good. Then yeah, you know that's wonderful. Not that I don't value each and every person saying that, you know. So. Yeah, and if you buy the book and a, and give it a bad review, you still give them money. If you buy the it's book true. and call Mike a stupid asshole, still gets paid. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's don't do that. <laughs> yeah, but still, you know, I mean, it's like, yeah. You know how I it's all you know his books, and I called him bad names. I'm like, yeah, you still got your money. So? You know how that you know you know how us artists are though, Steve. You're one, I'm one, and you know all that stuff is hurts. You know what I mean? But you're right. I would still yeah. take the money to the bank, but it would still hurt. 
So yeah, let's. I don't let's know. No one could be as worse on you than you are yourself. <laughs> Ain't that a fucking fact? You know that better than anybody. So yeah, yeah. that's a fact. That's a fact. Well, good night, everybody, and thank you for listening to the year. And yes, we'll be back next year. Yeah, we'll be back next year for Day of Anger 2020. Okay. Thank you, Stephen. Good night, everybody. Good night.